Welcome to WBU Marketing Communications Today, presented by the West Virginia University Reed College of Media, which offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, this is Susan Jones. I am a professor at Ferris State University in Michigan and also an instructor in the IMC and DMC programs at West Virginia University. And I'm very proud today to introduce a fellow Michigander and also a graduate of the IMC program at West Virginia University, Christopher Caserta, MS, IMC. He's the VP of Strategic Development for the United States Medical Management Company. And USMM is one of the largest national providers of comprehensive home-based healthcare services for individuals with complex medical issues. Christopher spent over 20 years of executive level experience within acute and long-term healthcare, senior living, and consulting. His diverse expertise includes strategic and growth roles within hospital systems, accountable care organizations, care coordination systems, ambulatory centers, senior housing, home and community-based services and skilled nursing rehabilitations. Christopher's a native West Virginian. And as I said, he's a proud 2010 master's graduate of the Integrated Marketing Communications Program at WVU. So Christopher is here today to talk to us about the monstrous world of healthcare and how marketers are changing the industry. So that's got me going here. <laughs> Christopher, <laughs> welcome. It's so great to have you today. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me. Sure. So let's start with something very general. We've all heard the term healthcare industry, but what exactly does that mean and what does that encompass? You know, Susan, I think that's a common term that people will undershoot. They will just limit it to basically what they know. Um, you know, chances are, you know, uh, in today's time, you were probably born in a hospital or you, you have family members who were born in a hospital, so that comes to mind. Maybe you've had a family member at an assisted living facility or skilled nursing facility, and, uh, and we all use pharmacies as well. Uh, at least most of us do, unless you're uber healthy. And if you are, I would like to know what your secrets are. You can share those with me. Um, otherwise, it's just kind of what we know. But in, in actuality, um, healthcare is a huge industry. I mean, it's actually our largest contributor to the gross domestic products in this country. Um, I know it's grown significantly in the last 50 years. Uh, it is ahead of technology in the United States when you talk about an industry and how big it is. And it kind of breaks down to six categories. Um, you know, there, there are pharmaceuticals, which those are obviously the medications to cure and vaccinate. Uh, we all know that with, uh, with the pandemic, we're all well aware of what goes on there. Um, biotechnology is another industry um, using enzymes and microorganisms to produce products. You know, when you think of baking bread, because you're know, using yeast, which is a living organism, that would qualify. Um, biotech. Um, you have the equipment side, devices for like pacemakers and uh, ultrasound and imaging. You have to have distribution, which is actually a category under healthcare because uh, there's hundreds of thousands of pharmacies and hospitals that need uh, medicines and products for patients. Uh, you have the facilities. I mean, that's what we see. That's usually where people go when they think of healthcare. And then you have the managed healthcare side. Uh, I think we've all probably read about um, health maintenance organizations and, and other types of groups or uh, ways to have healthcare and, and pay for healthcare. So really, when you 
include all those. When you look at the healthcare industry, there's over 784,000 companies in the United States wow. right now. So, and the good news for those of us in this field is they all need strategy, they all need sales, and they all need marketing. So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity and only getting bigger. Okay, so I'm gonna date myself here. I am a baby boomer. And I yeah. remember back when it was considered very poor taste for anybody in healthcare to advertise, but clearly that has changed. So why is healthcare marketing communication so important today? Well, um, you know, we talked a little about the size of healthcare. So, so I guess you could really focus in on the consumers themselves. There's a, there's a little tongue in cheek phrase in healthcare uh, that goes, Dr. Google, paging Dr. Google, <laughs> um, you know, because it's become, the internet search has become so vast, you know, it, it seems like we're all doing that. It's really gaining authority. And, and, you know, Susan, I know numerous stories of friends and family members that have self-diagnosed themselves on WebMD, most of the times not <laughs> accurately, uh, and they probably they scared the bejeebers out of themselves. Um, but there, we live in the information age and there are wonderful resources uh, like WebMD and, and Google searches and whatnot. Um, so it's definitely how consumers are behaving now. So if that's how they're behaving, um, you know, they're really searching for highly reputable sources for healthcare information. Um, content marketing comes to mind as far as being a critical strategic marketing approach. So when you're thinking of like working within healthcare, that's definitely something that, uh, that is, is highly recommended. And more than ever, those consumers are searching for valuable, relevant, and consistent healthcare content. And that's really where marketers of today can really capitalize on that. They're, they're really becoming patient-centric. They're trying to focus on who the patient is, what information they care about. Um, and what I really see, and I think is a very successful, successful strategy, is they're building a no-like-trust relationship with consumers in healthcare. So what I mean by that is, you know, consumers first need to know you before they can like you. And until consumers like you, they're not gonna trust you. And within the healthcare industry, trust is paramount. I mean, you're, you're literally sometimes in life or death decisions. Right. And so you really have to come from a, from a uh, value of trust for the consumers. Great. So I remember some years ago, I attended a conference and there was a, presenter in healthcare who really opened my eyes. And what she talked about was segmentation. And I think this goes to what you're talking about with content and trust. Her message was, we have all different kinds of patients that take this particular medication. Um, some of them are highly compliant, other ones are wishy-washy, and then there's some that pretend like they don't need this medicine. And she talked about how they had segmented this to, I mean, the highly compliant, it's like attaboy. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You know, so can you talk a little bit about segmentation in uh, healthcare marketing? Well, um, you really have to, to kind of specifically target certain areas. You know, I, I really think that um, it really depends on who your target market is. And within, within healthcare marketing, that can vary. You know, the, the marketing healthcare services differ primarily through the nature of demand for healthcare services, just in general. So that target market sometimes moves a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it's sometimes it could, it could be a doctor uh, that you're targeting or a health plan representative or 
a family member, you know, really you, you have to segment on kind of who you're going after and, and what, you're, what you're looking to, to get from them. Um, we talked a little bit about all the segments of healthcare just a moment ago, but I really think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, how people are making decisions on this side, there is one consistent factor and, and 88% of people make their healthcare decisions online, which is uh, just a huge number. Um, you yourself, Susan, you, you claimed you're a baby boomer. Um, you know, you're, you're looking for information, but your group also has the most disposable income. And uh, research is also showing that you are online and purchasing things more than some of the younger generations. So you have mm -hmm. to segment for that group and target the baby boomers online. Sometimes it, you could be the end user. You could be the person they're targeting. Uh, you could be the influencer that's going to help someone get a healthcare service, or you have to persuade them to get a healthcare service or uh, product. Um, so it's being a vast industry such as it is, sometimes you do have to target multiple segments or multiple target markets to be able to accomplish uh, what you're trying to do in the long run. Thank you. So um, you mentioned, or I, well, I started by talking about baby boomers and uh, I have to laugh. When I was a kid, I lived in Pittsburgh and there was an ad in the paper every day for Dr. Baum, the credit dentist. And yeah. my parents said, that guy is despicable. Yeah, <laughs> nobody in healthcare <laughs> should be advertising. Right. Um, yes. So clearly healthcare marketing has evolved quite a bit. So can you talk a little bit about that evolution over the decades and up till now? Sure. Um, uh, you know, it, it's really it's really changed a lot, uh, even in, in recent memory. I mean, when when I'm actually a Gen Xer and, you know, it's changed a lot of my lifetime as well. I was just right after you and really close, uh, by the way, um, as my gray hair will show um, as, as we discussed here. So. Um, what I think of really kind of what's changed, you know, just even just 10 years ago is when the Affordable Care Act started and it was implemented. They gave expanded healthcare coverage to 20 more, uh, 20 million more Americans. Um, so that almost in an instant, uh, marketers had more potential customers to go after. And it also, with that being said, it increased the competitive landscape for those customers as well. So, I mean, think about whoever your target market is and whatever industry you is, you're in, you know, there's a lot of healthcare companies that say, oh, you know, our target market just grew by 20 million. Our universe is huge, yes. you know, now, what it was before. Um, so that really helped. So there's an opportunity there uh, with the Affordable Care Act. I think the payment models in healthcare are, I think it's driving a lot of the advertising and marketing as well, because it used to be, it used to be within uh, payment models, we would, uh, a provider who that could be a doctor, uh, you know, a hospital, whoever's providing the healthcare service to you. They're changing from a fee for service to value-based care. And we've heard of that a little bit in the headlines now, as far as the value-based care side, because it used to be, and, and still it's, it's kind of this way, but it's strongly evolving over, um, you know, providers would get paid just for doing something. So you can probably remember going to the going to the doctor or to your point, like a dentist, and they would say, well, let's run this test and let's do this test and let's do this test and this test. And, and you feel like you basically spend your day, you know, yeah. at your doctor's office. And that's how it used to be. Now, the doctor wasn't always doing that through malice or any other reason. They were running those tests, trying to figure out how to help you in most cases. However, we've also read the fraud headlines, uh, no matter where you live in the country, where there were some providers that obviously did 
uh, just kind of cha-ching, cha-ching with every test that they would offer. And they would get reimbursed for that. So that has changed. And now it's based on outcomes. So you think, well, okay, well, how does this tie back to the marketers? Um, so now we're value-based care, meaning that we will uh, do the best we can to take care of you as a healthcare community, but we're not going to order four tests. We may do the first one and get the results. Um, we're going to keep your relationship with you, and we're going to try to maybe give you medicine to help you with what we think it is. And then maybe if it, you know, if you're if you're feeling better, great. If you're not, then maybe we'll have you come in for a second test. We are being much more careful with uh, healthcare spending. So mm -hmm. on the marketer side, and I'll probably mention this a few times today, they're really going after that patient-centric relationship marketing, whether it's online, whether it's in traditional media whether it is uh, within your sales teams, it's really about developing relationships long-term. And so it's kind of like we're evolving back to how it used to be with a healthcare doctor or with a system to say, you know, we want to be your partner. We want to be an advocate for you. We want to collaborate with you because we know, we already know that you use Dr. Google, but now we're going to work with you and to make sure we give you what you need and not overspend. So we, we're in, and the healthcare systems are getting reimbursed for offering better care. The, their reimbursement goes higher. So it's better for us as consumers because now we're gonna have better care during the process because that's how the reimbursement has changed. So the marketers also have to follow that trend and um, make sure they're marketing about being more relationship-based. Mm -hmm. I think the other, and this is probably the last one that comes to my mind right now, the other aspect is really kind of evolved, Susan, would be on the technology side. Uh, with connected health devices, and, and we all know these as well, uh, the, the wearables, whether it's a Fitbit um, or it's a Bluetooth-enabled scale, um, you know, it, it kind of is getting into artificial intelligence, um, mm -hmm. you know, so so my dad, here, here, here's a recent story for you. As early as this morning, I found out that my dad, um, who is now in his uh, mid-70s, he just got a, a Fitbit. Now, this is a man that had a flip phone. So now he's wearing, he's, he's wearing a, a Fitbit now. Um, Is he just proud to help of it? Watch it. Yeah, it's, uh, now we've had to connect it to one of my sister's old smartphones so it can connect to the Wi-Fi that we also installed in his house five years ago that he didn't have until then. Um, so, so this is affecting a lot of people who you don't think would be using these types of devices. This is becoming more mainstream. And so when you think about from a, from a marketing standpoint, as far as the people you're going after. Um, you know, Susan, um, you mentioned you're a baby boomer. Just off the top of my head, Brad Pitt is a baby boomer. George Clooney is a baby boomer. Madonna is a baby boomer. Let's not get into stereotypes on what we think people want and don't want as marketers. There's right. an enormous opportunity uh, to go after these people with kind of uh, with technology as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I, <laughs> I just have to share with you, my uh, physician is about 40 years old, and a couple mm -hmm. years ago, um, he was asking me all these questions like, do you have throw rugs in your house? I said, I have throw rugs everywhere, and he's looking at yeah. me, and he asked me yeah. a couple more of these questions, and then uh, he said, I guess I don't have to make you draw a clock, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I said, if you do, I'm going to draw a, a digital clock and have it flashing. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. Don't stereotype me, Doc. I'm still working full time. Give me a break. That's right. I teach online. I do podcasts, right? Right. Yeah, that, that's that's the thing. This market, 
um, for these healthcare services is just enormous. You got to throw the stereotypes out the window uh, because again, my, my, I know it's a, it's a study of one, but come on, a, a man that has only been on a, one airline ride his entire life, he uses a flip phone, he still buys admittance for that. He now has a, he now has a Fitbit. Mm -hmm. That's what he's using now. So um, yeah, don't, don't cut yourself short in the healthcare space for sure. Right, right. So talking about the generations, we're going to talk about uh, the growth of the healthcare industry, but I'm wondering now, there are so many of us boomers, that's why we're called the boomers, and the millennials are an enormous generation. I think there are more of them than boomers, and Gen yes. Z is enormous too. So do you think there will be any kind of a dip when Gen X gets a little older? Um, I, I, I think there'll be a dip a little bit because when you when you look at the numbers, you're exactly right. It's the uh, millennials have now surpassed the baby boomers are around 72 million. The boomers, uh, your group, you're only about a million off, uh, Susan. You guys are right behind the millennials. Um, and then us Gen Xers are a little smaller at about 65 million. So I, I, I think I think a couple of things with the baby boomers. Uh, my advice is do not take your eye off the ball with the baby boomers. They are um, the most uh, affluent. They have the most money we've ever seen. They, they spend the most money. Um, they are going after preventative medicine like it's going out of style. Uh, they're going after cosmetic surgeries and they're going after those types of things in the healthcare space. Um, they're willing to go into other countries to get that done. Um, so it's, it's definitely something not to keep your eye off of until they really take their last breath, in my opinion. Right. So I, I think that I think that's number one. The second, I think the millennials, I mean, obviously we can we can beat up millennials like everybody else, you know, um, as far as like what they're, you know, they have very high employer expectations, they challenge authority, um, you know, and just to name a few. Uh, however, I do think the millennials are changing the industry a little bit as well, because as you know, uh, Susan, they're very different from the baby boomers to say the least. And um, all of us, no matter where you live in the country, I'm sure you've seen these uh, clinics popping up at places like CVS mm -hmm. and Walgreens and Walmart. And the reason for that is the more progressive baby boomers and targeting and going into that millennial cohort because um, the, the, I really truly believe the, the concept of us having that primary care physician, you know, saying, well, I have this doctor, he's been in the family for a couple of generations, or I've had him for multiple decades, um, or, you know, she, she's a wonderful doctor, she's never steered me wrong for years and years. I really think you're gonna see a lot less of that because it's not as important to, especially that millennial group. Mm -hmm. um, they are more uh, attracted to convenience, accessibility, um, being able to digitally on their phone, set an appointment, um, picking up at the pharmacy, wherever the clinic would be. Um, a lot of these CVSs and Walgreens and, and retail clinics, I guess we can call them, they're on the way to and from work. Um, that is really kind of where it's kind of evolving to. So you have those of us that still have a primary care physician, much like myself. Um, and yourself, as you just explained, but it's starting to lean more toward the convenience side and having much more of a um, of a me movement, meaning mm -hmm. this is for my convenience. I'm not driving, I'm not sitting in the lobby for a half hour. I'm not driving across town for that. I will just get my healthcare in a much different delivery system. So it's really uh, evolving 
uh, quite differently, even to the point now, I know within my current organization here at the United States Medical Management, we have doctor's house calls is a big part of our business. So I'm sure you've seen the Norman Rockwell images yes. you know, from way back in the day and the physician that actually shows up and, and, and uh, gives house calls. Um, that trend is really picking up steam now. There's a number of companies nationally that are doing that. And primarily it started out of necessity as with regard to um, uh, people that could not get to the physician. They were homebound, but they still needed to have x-rays done and they still needed to have ultrasounds done and they still needed to have lab work done. So on the marketing side, you are now marketing a, a trending emerging service that now your whole universe just opened up even more because you have those that need those types of services in the healthcare space, but you also have these millennials that are coming into and now becoming coming of age to really make their healthcare decisions, that that's gonna be much more attractive to them than them going on site somewhere. So it's mm -hmm. really evolving into a, a completely different model when you really look at it nationally. I think that's what you've said is quite interesting to me because the first COVID shots that opened up for my husband and myself were at Rite Aid, the local Rite right. Aid. And I thought, exactly. is that yes. really okay? You know? yeah. <laughs> to a millennial, it would be like, duh. So yeah, we went and got our shots at Rite Aid. We're having the uh, second one on Friday and oh, good. Um, works out well. Yeah, it's like six blocks from my house. <laughs> right. Much better. So yeah. convenient. Yeah, it sure is. Yep. So, so um, we've talked a little bit about the, the growth in the healthcare industry. Do you want to say any more about that? Like where it's well, going I, to grow? Yes, and I think just in general, because when I think of the WBUIMC program specifically, and, and I know that we have a healthcare module within there, and, and as you can hear, hopefully I'm coming across, my passion is showing a little bit um, as far as just how much of a great industry this is. You know, I really, when you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, they have a ton of healthcare occupations, including mental health and regular healthcare that account for most uh, the 20 fastest growing occupations in the next 10 years. Wow. So, so they see this, whether it is a house call business, a retail clinic, uh, there will always be need for hospitals and skilled nursing facilities because there's those of us that need to be on site, uh, depending on what the condition is, or we're just not safe to live at home anymore. I mean, from, so from a marketing standpoint, you have a wide net of opportunities and companies to work in and to excel in and actually make a career life out of uh, those industries. Um, you know, so I really think it's something to, to keep an eye on. And I, I'm actually grateful that uh, West Virginia University offers this as a module because it is an exploding industry, as you can see. So are there programs available at the undergrad level for healthcare marketing that you're aware of, or is it more of a grad school type thing? Um, you know, typically it's more of a grad school thing. There are some universities that uh, just for like a bachelor's in business and you may be able to specialize and start to uh, get your toes in the water a little bit on the healthcare side. Um, but I, I really do think that, um, well, I guess I'll just share a quick personal story. So when I was looking to um, get a master's degree, I actually had a, had a I guess I kind of uh, straddled the fence a little bit. So I applied to MBA schools and I also applied to schools like West Virginia University for, for this specifically. 
Um, I was accepted on both sites and I had to make a decision. And when you start looking at the curriculum on the MBA side, um, you may get a class or two in marketing um, or brand concepts or something if you're lucky. And I knew that I really wanted to be on that growth side. I wanted to be on that marketing strategy side. I wanted to really um, be the, the cog to increase the size of a business, to help it to be profitable. Um, and, I, and I really think for that perspective, you know, going the grad route and really focusing specifically on the, your craft. And you can, you can have, there's other modules as well within um, the WVU IMC program, but to really focus on those areas because um, this is a highly competitive industry. We've talked about how it's evolving almost by the minute, but we've also talked about its enormous size. So I really think you need to have every tool possible, um, something like this program can offer before heading out. Or for me, I was currently in the industry and I was just looking to sharpen my tools uh, much more than they were at the, in, at the current time. Um, I really think that's the way to go and where you would get the most knowledge um, at the graduate level. So Christopher, have you been in healthcare your entire career? Yes, I have in some wow. form or fashion. I've, I've dabbled a little bit in education um, and I worked for a, a marketing agency way back when where I actually got a lot of experience in a lot of different areas where I, I worked um, for like the banking services industries and mm -hmm. uh, pub public, uh, like li public libraries and um, there was a lot of different industries that I worked in. Um, and then, but even within that time when I was working for those agencies, we had healthcare clients. And I started to gravitate toward those, uh, seeing, you know, and obviously it's changed a lot where you used to promote the docs, now you promote more like the services and you promote the hospital and you promote the culture and you promote, and you're really trying to have that relationship with the patients as, as we talked about a little earlier. Um, so it was always a draw for me is, is the healthcare side. Great. Well, my last question for you is what are some tips you would give to either new or really some continuing healthcare marketers for today's um, job field? Well, um, you know, I, I think we've clearly established that um, the healthcare industry is always changing, you know, and, and the patients and consumers are are educating themselves. Um, there's an enormous amount of information out there. I would have to say, keep that in mind before any marketing strategy is put into place. This is what the consumers are doing. So now you have to fill the hole as I speak. You have to decide, okay, how am I gonna reach them? How am I gonna communicate to them? So that's what I like to do is I try to look at, well, what are, what's, what's the target market currently doing? And it seems, it sounds kind of academic and kind of basic, but, but this is a very evolving industry. You know, the old Fitbit with my dad discussion. Um, or your discussion with your 40-year-old physician. You really have to know what's going on in the minds of the target market, and it's going to con continue to evolve. So it'll definitely keep you on your toes uh, moving forward in the next 10, 20 years, and probably um, for eternity for all we know. Um, I think it's also important to, on the social media side, online side, I mean, you really need a robust website. I think the call to action needs to be prominently displayed. Um, people if, they're, if you're lucky enough to guide them to your website or to with your organization, you've got to be able to capture them in this space because uh, WebMD is only a, a few mouse clicks away um, and they or a competitor is just a few mouse clicks away. So you really have to get onto them because they're used to searching for um, healthcare information. It's all over the internet. 
So I think that's also something you really have to look for. Um, I do think that uh, patients in general are more interested today in taking back their healthcare journey. Uh, they, they really do want to educate themselves. So I really think it's more of a collaboration. I do not think that the, um, the marketing stance, or you could say your brand, can really lean too more on the authoritarian side anymore. That I think that's old school. You really have to engage with today's consumers um, through a sophisticated process. Uh, you can find some creative ways to engage with them. Um, you want to promote the care continuum because you're trying to develop a relationship with them. So whatever, you, whatever you're going to see them with today, you also need to educate them if you have other services, what those may be tomorrow. And that you would love to be able to uh, serve them and walk through this a path with them to collaborate with their, with their healthcare journey. I, I think those are something that's really changed a lot over the years where it used just to be, well, this is what my doctor said, so I take it as gospel. It has really changed a lot um, in the information age. It's really affecting the healthcare industry. So this is a, this is a us and you thing. It's no longer uh, my doctor said this, so it, it must be true. And you got to be able to market that way toward them and have those types of conversations. Great. That is wonderful advice. So Christopher Caserta, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Christopher is VP of Strategic Development at United States Medical Management in Troy, Michigan. And we really appreciate you being with us. Thank, thank you. you, Susan. I enjoyed it. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu backslash MC today to view our upcoming sessions, listen to previous recordings, and subscribe to receive updates. Have a great day.